from Forward Direction LLC, it's the You Should Listen podcast, a show that intersects sports, business, fashion, and hip-hop culture. We draw on experiences from influential people who have carved out a name in their respective creative space. We hope you pick up a few gems along the way. Thanks for tuning in. On the season two finale of the You Should Listen podcast, we sit down with the one and only Ishwara Glassman Crane. Ishwara is a trailblazer in the sports and entertainment industry. She is the head of sports partnerships at Verizon Media and Yahoo Sports. She is also a double grad of Columbia University. We talk about her transition from consulting at one of the leaders in financial services to being a leader in the sports biz. Ishwara's energy is contagious. She provides invaluable insight on leveraging experiences to thrive in the industry. We talk about her journey to becoming a leader, advice for hopeful sports professionals, and we even chat about her pandemic project, reading over 100 plus books. If you've ever wanted to know what it's like to pick the brain of a visionary in the sports biz, then you should listen. And make sure you share this one with a friend or two. Thanks again for supporting season two. We'll be back before you know it. Enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm your host, Layden Williams. This is the You Should Listen podcast. Today, I'm joined by Ishwar Glassman-Crying. She's the head of sports partnerships of Verizon Media. Uh, Ishwara, go ahead and introduce yourselves to the fans and listeners out there. Yeah, thanks for having me, Layden. I'm Ishwara. Um, I run partnerships and business development at Yahoo Sports, which is part of Verizon. Awesome. So let's go ahead and get into the conversation. I uh, would love to kind of hear or learn something you've worked on during the uh, quarantine. It could be a professional skill or a personal skill or a hobby that you've, uh, I guess, shifted towards. Uh, I've read about three or 400 books since COVID and worked out every day. (laughs) And I've started doing these food delivery services where like you get recipes and make them like Blue Apron and HelloFresh. That's been fun. Cooking some new things. Nice, nice. What's your favorite book you've read uh, in the last year, I guess? What is a favorite book? Oh, gosh. Um, I read The Hillbilly Elegy. I don't know if you ever read that. I haven't heard of (laughs) that. It's an interesting take on why people vote certain ways in America based on the way they grew up and where they came from. Awesome. Okay. I'll have to add that to For sure. Cool. So uh, first things first, who is Ishara? Where are you from? Where did you grow up? What were your interests as a kid? All the good stuff. Uh, Sure. I grew up in San Diego. Um, I know it seems crazy to anyone to ever leave San Diego because it's really paradise. (laughs) Um, I played a bunch of sports as a kid, played um, volleyball and tennis reasonably well, played basketball. I know you played basketball, basketball and um, softball, not very well. (laughs) Um, Took a bunch of music classes, not very well. Um, Was was really good at school. Um, Liked to go to the mall like any good Southern California kid. Um, Was always really interested in politics. I always really thought that's what I wanted to do as a kid would be run for office or something like that. Awesome. And I know you went to school on the East Coast um, at Columbia, so we have those uh, those lying connections. But just curious, what made you leave the West Coast to to join Columbia and study there? Yeah, I mean, my mom thought I was crazy. I think she really wanted me to go to school somewhere in California. But I just wanted to go to the best school I could get into. I knew I worked, wanted to work in business. That would be fun to live in New York. And Columbia is a great school. And my dad grew up in the area, so I have some family nearby. But it was great. I really loved my experience at Columbia. Awesome. And what did you study again um, at Columbia? I did econ poli sci and then did a master's in international affairs at SIPA. So went there twice. Okay. Awesome. Double, double degree. Nothing wrong with that. Um, 
Obviously, you said that you were a big fan of sports growing up and playing them, but you actually started your career in business, I believe. So what yeah. was the, I guess, rationale or intention there? I loved watching sports. I watched um, a lot of baseball with my dad and we'd watch football, basketball, not too much hockey till I married my Canadian husband, but we'd watch a lot of sports as a kid. Um, I didn't really think I realized you could work in sports, to be perfectly mm -hmm. honest. I didn't realize it was a career path or a job other than the obvious positions of being an agent or being, you know, working for the team. Um, so interned a lot in banking and worked at law firms in college and grad school and ended up working at McKinsey doing um, general business. I learned that I like to fix things. And yes. that's something I really enjoyed at McKinsey and worked in banking at Lehman Brothers as well. It was just, I think when I talk to students, it's actually a really good foundation to learn some classical skills, whatever they are in you know, um, finance or marketing or legal before you go into sports if you can. Awesome. So how exactly were you able to kind of I guess, parlay or, or leverage those experiences or opportunities into a role within the sports industry? Yeah, so I don't think I was actually, I know I'm so fortunate to work in sports and I love working in sports, but I never really intended to go work in sports. It actually just sort of happened, funny enough. Um, yeah. I was recruited to join IMG by a former McKinsey colleague um, and they were looking to bring in people who had more of a business expertise to mm -hmm. help with a leadership transition at IMG. So I, I kind of, I guess I just got lucky that they were looking for someone with more of a business background than necessarily a sports business background. Awesome. And man. I've never left since then. I mean, why would you leave working sports if you could work <laughs> in sports? Why would you go do anything else? Exactly. It's so hard to get in. Um, I was going to ask, what were you able to kind of leverage from the business space to, I guess, apply to the actual business of sports? Yeah, I mean, I, I always tell students when I talk to them, that the sports business is still just a business like every other business that has all of the same fundamentals and all of the same departments. It's just an area of expertise or an industry expertise. I think um, McKinsey taught me confidence and to keep asking questions until I understood things and how to fix and solve problems and how to talk to people. I think sort of one of the more under leveraged things when you walk into an organization is to let people talk. Mm -hmm. People love to talk and love to tell you what they do and how it could be better. Mm -hmm. um, and also just learning financials and how I know you know as well how a PL works and what I mean sports businesses exist to make money too. So what drives revenue for the company still matters. For sure. Um, I'm just curious, have you always had this level of intellectual curiosity and I guess willingness to kind of ask questions and kind of go against the grain or did it take some years and some confidence to get to, get to this level? I've always asked a lot of questions. I was always that kid in the front row with my hand up <laughs> driving the teacher totally crazy, <laughs> which is fun to see my kids do that now. Um, always been intellectually curious. Always have been my own person, but I think as I've gotten older, I've been more comfortable and embraced more being who I am and being the best version of myself and finding people and places to work where that's embraced. Awesome. It's hard. I think it's really hard to not try to conform to what everyone else's personality is like. For sure. Um, we'd love for you to kind of elaborate on that. I think I mentioned this the last time we spoke, but one thing that you said is just being authentic and being yourself at work and being comfortable and enjoying who you're working around. Um, how did you, I guess, go about just being authentic at work and building these relationships? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I think by nature, I have a big personality. I like to have fun. I like to talk to people. I like to work with people from all different types of backgrounds. I mean, that's why I studied at SEPA because I like international. Mm. I like to travel. I like people from all over the world. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think it's it's challenging to be a woman sometimes in the sports industry too. Historically, it has been. Um, it was interesting. I had an executive coach last summer who said to me, she goes, you know, Ishwar, you, you value being liked too much. Mm. You want everyone to like you. 
but it's actually a waste of time to focus on being liked because you have no control over whether people like you. You can't really make someone like you, no matter how much you try and you're nice to someone, people are gonna you know, spend time with people that they feel comfortable with, but you have, you deserve and you should work hard to be respected. So I've spent more time trying to be, I always treat people with kindness and respect, but trying to earn people's respect than earn their love at some level professionally. Cause you can't, you can't really control that. For sure. I would definitely agree. Do you think, do you still have that relationship with the executive coach? And I guess what were some of your other um, big takeaways? Yeah, actually another, another big takeaway I got was from um, my, my boss, one of my bosses at Verizon. He's been wonderful to work for. Yeah. I give you an attendance analogy. He said to me, he goes, you know, Shuar, you love to hit every ball as hard as you possibly can, huh. which is true at work and certainly true at tennis. I like to, part of the joy for me in playing tennis is hitting the ball as hard as I possibly can. Yeah. But actually in tennis, that doesn't always work that well. Like yeah. if I hit my forehand as hard as I possibly can, I probably hit winners half the time, but probably completely miss roughly half the time too. And so like in a match, it's not great because like, you know, I lose points pretty quickly. Mm. So his whole point was to learn to hit different types of shots and to learn to read your audience and, you know, hit a lob or hit a chip shot sometimes that you don't always need to kill every ball or win every business point or fight as hard as you can. It's not always the best strategy. Nice. I like that. that that's some, some really great advice. Yeah. Um, wanted to shift gears a little bit. Um, obviously, you're the head of sports partnerships of Verizon Media. So what does your day-to-day -day look like and what are some projects that, that you've worked on that you can actually share with us? Yeah, so before COVID, <laughs> I would probably, <laughs> I guess just to give you a day in the life, if that's useful, I'd probably do emails from like 6.30 to 7. I, usually, I always worked out from 7 to 8 in the morning, like without fail. Yeah. I get into the office a little after nine by the time I got dressed and got some food and got in the office. And then we used to do a crazy number of meetings all day long. Yeah. The calls with our internal teams. What I really like are the calls with partners. I mean, that's what yeah. I really enjoy is talking mm -hmm. to our partners at the leagues. Um, and then we try to go home and have some dinner with my kids and then do more work. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> in a good day, I get to go to an actual live sporting event. That's sort of the joy of what we all do. Okay. Um, but yeah, spend a lot of time, you know, on the phone with our partners and on the phone with people internally to make the partnerships come to life, be it with marketing or product or engineering or the content team. Awesome. So when your kids ask you, mommy, what do you do all day at work? What is your response? <laughs> My kids think that I um, join Zooms and type emails all day. <laughs> Actually, it's, like, it's not that far from the truth, which is funny because like now their kids are doing Zooms and typing emails all day, which is kind of a shame. Exactly. But, um, my, my daughter, no matter how much I try, doesn't really like sports, mm -hmm. but my son, once I started, I started getting a little bit smarter. I actually started to invite him to some of the sporting events that I had to go through to for work. And now he thinks his mother is like literally the coolest person on earth because I get him tickets to cool events. Oh, um, nice. And it's actually a really nice way to bond with people in the industry when you bring your kids and they bring their kids. It sort of um, leads to a, a different level of relationship, which is really nice. For sure. I, mean, I know you obviously talked about going to some of the live sporting events and, and having those conversations with exter external business partners, but what is one thing most people don't realize about working in the sports industry? I guess one, that it's actually really hard work. Yeah. <laughs> but actually working in the sports industry is a lot of hours, especially I don't work in live events as much, so much, but for people who work in live events, they're expected to still do the regular office hours and attend you know, 81 home baseball games, for mm -hmm. example, if you work in baseball. Um, and also, too, I think the other thing is that the sports industry, like knowing and loving sports is just a prerequisite, but it's not enough to get you hired and it's not the only thing that matters. And that actually, 
knowing what happened in last night's game is great because it's what people talk about when they walk into the office and it's a great way to build relationships. But knowing that is not the same as understanding the sports business. The sports business is different than fandom. For sure. Awesome. Um, and I was going to ask, how do you, how do you go about balancing your day to day? Cause like you said, you like to work out your, your mother, your, your wife, you like to read so you, over 300 books in a year, which is very impressive. How do you juggle all of these uh, activities and stay level headed? I work out no matter what, like nothing will stop me from getting my workout in. So if worst case to worst, I will do a double workout the next day. If like, sometimes when I used to travel, it would just be almost impossible on a given day. I try to eat healthy. Mm -hmm. I have a huge sweet tooth. Okay. I, I try to sleep eight hours a night, otherwise I'm quite grouchy. Gotcha. Um, but you have to, I think I see that, you know, workloads have ebbs and flows. Mm -hmm. um, I try really hard. It's a really bad habit, but I'm really trying to break it of like not checking emails for like a half an hour before I go to bed so I can <laughs> clear my head and get a little bit of reading in. Um, I'm trying to learn to be a more patient parent. Patience is not one of my virtues. Um, I've, with remote school, sometimes I'll be like in the middle of a call and my daughter will come up and ask me to explain ratios. And it's, it's actually, I really enjoy working and I enjoy motherhood, but I actually find trying to do both of them in the same amount of time is really difficult. Like I, I would advise people to try to focus on one or the other for a specific amount of time and give your all to that. Cause trying to go back and forth, at least for me is really difficult. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and I was also gonna ask, obviously the sports industry is a ever changing um, landscape and environment. How do you stay up to date with everything that's kind of going, in, going on in the industry? Yeah, I mean, I read a lot of all of the industry journals and stuff like that. I, I genuinely love sports. So I do watch a lot of sports games and sports center. And I think it's important to know what's going on because that's what people talk about. Like when you get on the phone with Major League Baseball, it's important to be able to talk about what happened in last night's game for your favorite team. Um, but what I think I enjoy most is one of the things I get to do in my perch at Verizon is talk to a lot of startups. I love to talk to startup founders because they have so much passion and mm -hmm. it's really interesting to hear what they're working on. Even if we can't work with them, it's still interesting and maybe I can help them somehow. For sure. What are some, um, not stars specifically, obviously, but what are some, I guess, genres or trends that are on your radar right now that are in the VC or startup space? Yeah, I mean, some of them are going to be something everybody talks about. We talk a lot about sports betting, but for us, it's not just about sports betting. We want to talk about the whole gaming funnel. So fantasy and free to play and mm -hmm. daily fantasy. I think the betting has been talked about enough, I'm sure. But yeah. the other thing that's really exciting for us is how do you keep people engaged when they're at home or in the stadium with different types of games for whatever their preferences are. Some people want to bet, some people want to play fantasy, some people want to play free to pick. Some people do all of those, but any of those is a fun way of engaging. I mean, I played fantasy football for the first time when I joined Yahoo, but last year was the first year I was any good. Yeah. <laughs> and I, um, I actually watched, I watched a lot of football. I watched even more than I ever did because I was wanting to watch all of my fantasy players. Yeah. So, I mean, that's great for engagement for the league. I, I agree. I feel like if you're if you're engaged in sports betting in some capacity, you're more inclined to kind of watch and tune into the game for sure. For sure. Um, curious, what is your proudest per personal and also your professional accomplishment? I know these are probably varying questions, but would love to get um, insight in that capacity. Yeah, I think on the professional side, closing the deal that we did with MGM last year was really, I guess the year before last, 2019, was really exciting. It was something that I got to own from start to finish from you know, what is the strategy of the deal we want, leading the negotiations with the deal and then managing it once we closed it. And we worked with great partners and really enjoyed the people and brought together all of my internal and external skill sets. Um, personally, I, this is more nebulous, but I've been really working on being um, more empathetic and compassionate towards others. 
find like my brother has amazing skill sets, but they're really different than mine. He, um, he's amazing with people, an amazing salesperson, an amazing athlete, but more than anything, he likes to fix cars yeah. and he's covered in tattoos and piercings and a mohawk <laughs> and trying to learn to sort of appreciate other people's gifts without trying to mold them into your vision of what they should do with their life. Gotcha. It's been yeah. an ongoing, you know, I'm a big sister at heart, so I kind of tend to be bossy, but it's been an ongoing project. I definitely share that trait, even though I'm the younger brother. I feel like I have <laughs> the same gene as well. So that's something I need to work on for the future. Um, I was going to ask you to backtrack a little bit and just share like a, a lesson you learned early on in your career and how it was able to kind of shape you into one of the leaders in the sports industry today. Yeah, so when I was at McKinsey, it was my first dose of, hey, I'm not really the smartest person in the room anymore. You know, everybody at McKinsey is really smart. That's probably what they hire for more than anything. There were people, like one of the guys in my class had a PhD in soil science. Like there were just people, there were just really, really smart people there. And everybody worked really hard. Like you weren't going to be able to distinguish yourself. I was trying to figure out how I could distinguish myself, get promoted, be unique. Yeah. And it wasn't going to be by being smarter or working harder. Like we all did that. And I, I've never worked so hard in my life as I did when I worked at McKinsey. Like yeah. I think I actually fell asleep at 2 a.m in front of the copier and woke up with like hives in the morning. Oh my gosh. And then got yelled at because the copy, copies weren't done because I had actually fallen asleep in front of the copy machine. So like, you know, you worked, I worked my butt off. Yeah. I was so tired. I literally slept on like conference room floors. Like it just didn't matter. I was just yeah. so tired. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> but I wasn't going to just, that wasn't enough, right? Everybody was doing that. But one of my bosses and mentors at the time said, he goes, you know what you have that's unique at McKinsey. And McKinsey has sort of a, promote from within culture. So most people who became partners started as analysts there. Mm -hmm. Because what you have is people skills and McKinsey doesn't necessarily hire for that. So use that, build relationships with people. Mm -hmm. And that's one of those things that matters so much in the sports industry because it's a very small world. So yes, I work for Verizon and I want to do right by them and earn being a Verizon employee. And I, you know, what I do reflects on the company, but I also have my own reputation. I wanna, you know, it's a small world. So do right by people and try to help people where you can. For sure. I definitely agree with that. Uh, relationships, managing and nurturing those is everything in this uh, industry for sure. Um, we'd love for you to share some additional advice for hopeful sports professionals um, as well. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there are always more people who want to work in sports than there are jobs in sports. I guess a few different things to think about is, one, you don't necessarily have to work in sports if you can't get a job in sports to learn relevant skills. Like you, you know this, you could, you could learn accounting or finance somewhere else and you could come in, you could be a lawyer somewhere else, you could work in HR somewhere else. Um, if you can get a job in sports, always better. Also, you know, there are a lot of different parts of the sports industry. I know a lot of people spend a lot of years wanting, watching Entourage. There are a lot of things you can do in the sports industry other than be an agent. Yeah. You know, you can work at a media company. My cousin actually produces the content. He actually does the sound mixing. Mm -hmm. You know, you can be a lawyer for the union. You can work at a sporting good company. You can work at a marketing agency there. And it's not necessarily most important to work for the biggest name you can find on your resume. Yes, it's great if you can go work for the NFL or if you can go work for Verizon or if you can go work for Nike. They're, I'm sure they're all great places to work. Mm -hmm. But the reality is there aren't enough jobs there. So what matters more than that is actually working for people who are gonna really teach you and invest in you and working for a company or an organization that reflects you and your values. For sure. And let's say you were looking for a new team member or candidate to join your team. What would be something that kind of sticks out on a resume to you to say, hey, we need to bring this person on board? Um, I admittedly am a snob for pedigree. Okay. So I, I will look to see 
where you went to school and it's fine if you didn't go to the best school, but did you do well wherever you went? What were your grades like? Did you work hard there? Um, and also I like people who have something interesting about them. Did you play sports there? Did you play the clarinet? Like what, what am I gonna remember you for? Cause I flipped through a lot of resumes. What makes you uniquely you? What can I, what do I actually wanna talk to you about? Sure. Um, and please not too verbose. Like if you're under a certain age it really doesn't need to be more than one page. Yeah. Um, and also I think it's often said like, it's great a list of things you did on your resume but how did it matter? How did it affect things? I think that I, I generally hire people who are really smart or hardworking, but I wouldn't bring you in for an interview. I didn't think you could do the job. What I'm bringing you in to do is to see if I like you. If I want to spend 60 hours a week with you and get stuck at an airport because there's a snowstorm overnight. Yeah. For like, sure. are you going to be entertaining? Are you going to drive me crazy? <laughs> are you going to be boring? Yeah. yeah you got to bring that clarinet for sure. If you get stuck in that airport. Oh, I took clarinet lessons. I was terrible. <laughs> so. um, and I guess last question before we jump into the hot seat, how can people get connected with you to learn more or follow your journey? Um, I know you're really active on LinkedIn. So I feel like that's a great. Yeah, follow me on LinkedIn, send me a note. Okay. Um, but, you know, remember that it's a small industry. People will be more likely to talk to you or work with you if you're introduced by a friend. For sure, for sure. Awesome, and now it's my favorite part of the conversation. The hot seat, all right. Should I be nervous? Uh, no, you're, you're gonna do fine. So I know you see your right. too. So first question, cake or pie? Pie. Okay. Apple. Apple, okay. Or carrot cake, anything oh. with fruit. There you go. Class. Vegetables. And then they say you work out a lot. So uh, treadmill or run outside? Um, I actually really hate to run inside or outside to be perfectly <laughs> honest with you. I, I like the elliptical more than anything. And I like to do it indoors because like, I usually watch sports while I do it. Okay, cool. Um, and then you said you have some younger kids and probably some younger nieces and nephews or cousins. So I have to ask, karaoke or start a TikTok? Oh, I've, I've been in my kids' TikToks. So it's, it's always humiliating because I'm not nearly <laughs> as good of a dancer as they are. Okay, awesome. And I think I know the question to this next one, but good book or great movie? Oh, I love to read, so I can never, I can never read enough. Okay, cool. And uh, I guess once we return to travel, are you a window or aisle seat? Uh, usually the aisle, unless I'm trying to sleep, then I'll sit in the window. Okay, cool, cool. Well, you are officially out of the hot seat and just wanted to say thanks again for joining the Use to Listen podcast going to leave you the last few seconds or so just to offer some words of advice for all of our fans and listeners and hopeful sports professionals out there listening. I guess my only last, thanks for having me, by the way, this has been really fun. Um, I think the last thing I would say is always ask for what you want and demand what you want. You will never, people aren't just going to hand you a job or a raise or a promotion. Go out and get it, go and ask for what you want. Worst case, you'll get nothing, but you'll have what you had before. And always, you know, if you're making $100 and you ask for $120 and they say, yes, you haven't asked for enough, push, ask for more. It has to be a little bit uncomfortable sometimes. That's okay. okay. Awesome. Those are really, that's really good advice. And again, just want to say thanks for joining the show. I'm your host, Layden Williams, and we are out. Thanks.